Before you stand this morning, we get into the Word of God. I want to remind you that it's the first Sunday of the month, our 9-8 offering. Uh, God did a wonderful miracle for us in the last year and paying off our building. And we determined that what we were giving the bank, we want to um, each week give, or each month, once a month, to give that out during the month to other ministries, to orphans, of course, the orphanages, uh, to missionaries, to needs like water and wells in Kenya and Africa. And I wanted to tell you where some of the money went uh, this week. Uh, our pastor at Christ Chapel, Nairobi, uh, I tried to call him just a little while ago to get him on the phone, but I think being on the other side of the world, he's probably asleep because nobody answered. Uh, but he... For no other reason than just to tell you, okay? Because in my mind, you know, people say, oh, you're trying to work them, or your, your mind will tell you you're trying to manipulate I'm not. I'm just telling you. He called me, and we have this thing where when he calls me, I don't answer, and then I call him back so it'll be on our bill instead of his. And I called him back, and he, he said, Brother John, we are we just come out of prayer meeting and we're praying for you in Christ Chapel. Oh my God, that's his favorite thing to say. Oh my God, you you how much we love you and your church. Do they know what they've done for us? Do they know we helped them build their church? We've bought the audiovisual equipment. We've put in windows and floor. Not bragging. Listen, it's it's our joy. It's it's reasonable to do this. But uh, his car went out. And in, in, in Nairobi, where he is, um, you think cars like in our parking lot. No. no you would have an old VW bus, and you might have 35 pe 30 people in it. I'm not kidding. And hanging out the side. And so for them, a car would be like a, uh, an average car. It would be a 15 to 20-year-old Corolla with a couple hundred thousand miles on it. And... I said, and he said, I, I hate to ask. He goes, but John, Pastor, that's how I evangelize. I drive, and they go to the villages and stuff. And so I told him in so many words, we got you, man. So we sent, they raised um, over a couple of months, I think, or a month or two. It was like $2,100, and we gave them the rest towards the purchase of a good car with less than 100,000 miles on it. And he, was, he goes, oh, my God, please tell them how much I'm grateful, grateful. So isn't that wonderful? And somewhere on a clay building in Nairobi, Kenya, there's a pulpit inside that building that says Christ Chapel. For the glory of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord. So on your way out today, I, I want us to remain diligent in this. I don't want it to fall by the wayside. And some of us uh, still have not caught this vision. Look carefully at me. I don't need your money. But you need to be rich towards God. You do. You need to. And places like this, the mercy giving is never wrong. And so on your way out, if you write Christ Chapel 9-8. That means it doesn't go to this house. It goes outside of this house and meeting the needs of others. And so thank you for your giving. Uh, we wanna, how many know this is of the Lord? We want to keep it going. So some of us can't give every month. Others can. But if we all did something consistently, there'd always be enough. Do you know there's always enough? There's always enough. Would you stand with me this morning and turn to Revelation 22? As we continue in our series on the king is coming. The king is coming. Revelation 22, 10 through 12. And this is John, the revelator, speaking of the angel, speaking to him. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. For the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And the anchor verse, this is Jesus speaking. 
And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his works shall be. We live in an age where prophecy is mocked from the world and ignored in the church. It's prophecy, although there's 800 and... 20-something verses in the Bible that are about prophecy. Uh, In our modern Western churches, less than 5% of the churches ever preach a sermon about prophecy in a year. They don't talk about it. Because what's important to us is this world, which is a sign of carnality, and not the world to come, and and the things that prepare us for the, the coming of our Lord. For us, it's important that we are able to know the key terms, that we're able to rightly divide the word of truth and know not only who God is speaking to, what time frame he's speaking about when he's speaking of of dividing sheep and goat nations. We need to know that he's doing that on the earth to human beings that were left after the rapture church. We need to put all these pieces together so we have a base understanding. Now, going into the second part, we're still laying our foundation, and the next week we get into more of the, the nuts and bolts. But we, we have to be wise in this last hour. We have to see the signs. And when, when I share with you in the weeks to come about the signs that are around us, these signs are not up towards the rapture. They're towards the, the tribulation period. But what makes the imminency of the rapture so upon us is those things that are being prepared, you can see them on the horizon, they follow the rapture of the church. So we are to establish our hearts and be ready because we're not children of the night, we're children of the day, so that that day would not overtake us as a thief. So Father, I just humble myself before you this morning and I ask that you anoint me to teach more today with a clarity that makes it understandable for us that we can perceive the realities in your word and make them stick to the fabric of our heart, that we can understand not only what you've done, but what you're doing and what you shall do, the things that are, the things that have been, and the things to come, and we would know what category they fit in. Give us that wisdom from above, Lord, that we might understand the great truths in your word. Let the book of Revelation and the gospel of Matthew and Daniel Come clear to us in the coming weeks if you should tarry. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Last week I had the privilege and opportunity to talk to you about a couple of key terms. About the certainty, the centrality, the supremacy, the sovereignty and exclusivity of Jesus Christ the Lord. I talked to you about the divine war that's gone on since the Garden, or even before the Garden of Eden, when Satan ascended and said he would be like God, and God cast him down. The war between Satan and Christ, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. I talked to you about um, the connectivity as well as the differences of Israel and the church. Israel is not the church, and the church is not Israel. But there are Israelites that are in the church. Okay, we talked about that last week, uh, about Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet of, of the tribulation period. All that is is an imitation, a, a, really a mockery, but an imitation, a in the place of Satan imitating the Father, Antichrist imitating the Son, the false prophet Im- imitating the Holy Spirit because the false prophet tries to turn worship to the Antichrist. So it's all Satan's imitation of the Lord in in God's strength. We talked about the day of the Lord, the seven-year period of Israel's chastisement and the world's judgment. We talked about the rapture of the church, the blessed hope, the promise of the bridegroom. We talked about the potential or the potential of seeing soon the battle of Gog and Magog, the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ. But I want to talk to you this morning uh, just for a few moments and some of you might know something about the dispensations or dispensational truth. There's some that say that, oh, that's not uh, biblical. It's, it's uh, heresy. 
It's uh, a demonic doctrine. Uh, let, let me just pastor you for just a moment. The study of dispensationalism is not dispensationalism as a subject heading is not scriptural in that God doesn't say, this is what I did. It is man's attempt to categorize the workings of God while looking backwards and seeing what he's done without ever contradicting the confines of scripture. And it gives you the capacity to grasp, understand, and articulate. Your pastor finds the study of dispensational truth very helpful. Has been and is. If you would like to read a book on this, you can, again, a lot of the old books, the best books in Christian literature uh, and commentaries and sermon books, you can find them online on PDF for free, um, a lot of them. But Clarence Larkin, Dispensational Truth, if you want to read that, that would be an eye-opening thing for you. So dispensations, meaning uh, time periods. Time periods where you could say uh, elementary school. Kind of like a dispensation. Middle school. Kind of like insanity. Uh, a, a dispensation. Lord, and you say, my baby's done hit a new dispensation. And you look back as over a period of times. Guys, we were in our athletics and, you know, 20-somethings. Compare that to 50-somethings. And that's a new dispensation. It's a different dispensation. So in, in the history of the world, I'm just going to read these to you. I want you to see these categories that have already happened. And, and the purpose of teaching this is to let you see where we are in God's timetable. Okay? Not guessing. There's no guessing. It's in, in the scripture. Any ideas that go outside of the parameters of God's word are false. So you keep your Bible open, you do your own study, and let's look together. The first dispensation was the dispensation of innocence. And I'm going to go slower. If you're writing this down, just write down Genesis 27. This is from creation of Adam and Eve to the fall. And God put them in the garden with him, gave them purpose, and this dispensation of innocence was just you can live all that you want and walk with me. Just don't do this. And now we don't know the length of that dispensation. We just know that it ended when uh, Eve partook of the fruit and then Adam partook of the fruit and they fell. Then they were no longer innocent. And y'all kind of dialogue with me today because this one's not motivational. It's instructional, but this will help me. How do we know they lost their innocence? They knew they were naked. He said, well, well, why are you hiding? Well, we were naked. Who told you you were naked? You see? So in dispensational truth, all scholars have done is took this tag and said, that was a dispensation of time where everything changed. When you get pregnant and y'all have a baby, the dispensation of marital bliss and ease, you're still going to have it. But that dispensation is over. Okay, so the, I'm, I'm mixing this with humor so you, get, you understand. It was real, and their dispensation of innocence, we don't know how long it lasted. The Bible doesn't tell us. You know, knowing Eve, it could have been like 48 hours. But we don't know how long it lasted. It could have been 48 years before she was Steve. I don't know, but we know that it ended and a new dispensation began. Number two, the dispensation of conscience. Genesis 3 through 8. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm giving you time. The fall to the flood. That's Adam to Noah. This lasted 1,656 years. The purpose of this dispensation was to show man how sinful he would become by following his own heart. So now look, look where we are, how it all ties together. What's today's 
meme of the hour. Just follow your heart. Be true to yourself. I'm just following my heart. It don't work. That, that's not the way to righteousness. It's to show man how simple he'd become by following his own lusts and to reveal how helpless he was to do good when dominated by Satan, his new master. We know what happened from Adam to Noah. And then God saw the wickedness in the earth and the earth was corrupted and God destroyed the earth. Then there's the dispensation of human government. I trust that you're writing these down and taking these as notes and going and looking. The dispensation of human government. Genesis 8 through 11. This is from the flood to the call of Abraham. Now, have we had the law yet? Okay. So without the law, there was no breaking of the law. So now I'm seeing how he dealt. He dealt with Adam and Eve one way. He dealt with those that followed Adam and Eve's fall to the flood another way. And he said, I'll never destroy the world again by water. And then he goes to the uh, human government dispensation. And that's from the flood to the call of Abraham. And in this time where he called Abram out of the land of the Ur of Chaldees, he said, I'm, just follow me and I will make you a great people and a great nation and I'll bring you to a, a promised land. There was a uprising at that time period of a man named Nimrod. I know I'm giving you a lot of history, but y'all, if you'll bear with me, I know it's not our normal standard, but it will come together collectively and it will make prophecy very understandable for you. Nimrod was the founder of Babylon. Where else do we read and hear of Babylon? And Mystery Babylon, Revelation. Okay. And he became the great leader uh, 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 in this age. Leading mankind away from God. He started the Babylonian system of religion, which most men accepted and took with them into exile. You remember when God, when man built the Tower of Babel? What did God do? He confused their language and spread them out. There, this spirit, this spirit of Antichrist, this spirit of anti-God, anti-God's will, in this dispensation of human government when man is able to govern himself he always chooses humanism God told them to spread out and they became centralized and made a great city God's plan is for us to live spread out but they were building a city unto themselves to reach the clouds higher than the judgment where the waves came in, you remember? To, to position themselves uh, uh, as great as God or to defy God. And when God uh, confused their languages and, and spun them away from one another, what was remaining was this, this spirit of one world, one community. And that's the mystery Babylon. That's the... One world. We're all one people. Get rid of the boundaries. Get rid of the borders. It doesn't matter about nationalities or race. We're one people. No, we're different people. We're different races. We're different nationalities. But we can be good to one another. We can be kind and gracious and, and, and spirit-filled. And we can be generous and loving and caring. But this idea of one world, God says spread out. And they said, no. We're going to do this collectively. And collectively, those cities, the more dense the city, the more dark the city. And, and the crime-ridden. But there, at the root of it, there's this, I know what you said, but we're going to do it our way. And that's what Mystery Babylon is. God says, this is the way to me through my son. And they say, no, it's not that way. We're going to make a, a man-centered way. We're going to create avenues that... that work out our salvation we're going to build our own lives up to present them before God all heathen religions spring from Babylon and at Babylon through Nimrod Satan attempted to establish a universal government headed by one man and that's what's going to happen again in the last day so this kind of like a failed attempt and a perpetual lingering of the same spirit 
and then it's going to rise again. So we saw it in the one of human government. Then the dispensation of promise. Number four, letter D. The dispensation of promise. This is from Abraham to Moses. This lasted four, the dispensation of human government, I'm sorry, lasted 427 years. This lasted 430 from Abraham to Moses. And that was the birthing of the nation of Israel. Uh, Israel, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their sons, all of that through Genesis. God bringing them through the wilderness and he leading them not through the land of the Philistines, although that was near, wandering in the wilderness, all but how many Israelites perished? Two. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. And God started, we saw all of that, and they got into Canaan because God had the plan that Israel's beachhead, or the Israelites, the Jews' beachhead, would be the promised land, and from that, Christ would rule eventually, righteousness would be the standard, and the world, that would be the center of the world. And it is still today the centerpiece of the world. It's the kingpin upon all other things. And then, I know there's so much more we could say, but you're getting the idea. That lasted 430 years until Moses, and then the law was given to the Israelites, and then there's a dispensation of the law. The dispensation of law. This lasted 1,718 years. That's from Moses to Christ. How did that work out? The thou shalt nots and, and the God promising redemption and the introduction of the sacrificial system which postponed our judgment until Jesus Christ came. That was a dispensation. And you, you remember when Christ came, he said the law and Moses reigned until now. And then there was an intermediary period where John the Baptist stood, stood on the scene. And, and he said, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. At like somebody born out of time, I'm in between the dispensation of law and the dispensation of grace. I'm gonna, I, I come from this one and I'm going to lead you to the next one. And the dispensation of grace, letter F, is where we are today. And this, the dispensation of grace is the dispensation where we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom has more to do with after the return of the Lord. After and the millennial reign of Christ, or during the millennial reign of Christ. But this gospel of grace that whosoever believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Okay. So if these are true, and we are here, the dispensation of grace... From Christ to the for the first coming of Christ as a as a person, two thousand years ago, to the second advent of Christ, and then that culminates, and all that's left is one thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ. So right before the millennial reign of Christ, okay, I said all that, to, and you can go do your own study, but we're in the dispensation of grace, and the same way one stops immediately. When the world was destroyed, that stopped that age. When Christ comes back to the earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the dispensation of grace ends. And then righteousness. God will establish righteousness from Jerusalem. And he'll rule and reign with a rod of iron. And the curse will be lifted. And a child in the earth will grow to be a, a thousand years old. And so... We need to understand and gra really grasp where we are in the timetable. And this is what's so hard because it's like we're drugged. Okay, do you understand? I'm getting ready to preach on end times. And then within a 48-hour period, I'm playing dodgeball at my kid's field day. So the end of the world, as we know it, is right here. But I'm throwing squishy balls at little kids. Over here, and we're tr it's hard to walk in this awareness and live in the world at the same time. I firmly believe that we are the generation that Christ is coming for, and we're going to meet him in the cloud. I, I, I do. Because, and you say, Well, many people thought that 
Yes, they did. And he could have come at any time. But they're, let's say in Paul's day, when they were worried about missing the rapture, the capacity to monitor all transactions in the world wasn't available. And after the rapture is going to come the introduction of the man of sin, who after three and a half years would bring upon the world a mandate that you all must take this mark and no man will be able to buy or sell without this mark. That could not have happened in Paul's day. There was not a computer system. There was not a system in place that could monitor every purchase. You follow me? So even though they were looking and watching, some of the, some of the book was sealed up. God wants the expectation, but they were not privy to us seeing knowledge increase like we have in our lifetime. Do you understand just in our lifetime? Do you really understand how exponentially knowledge has increased? Okay, let me give you an example. I remember in 94, some of you nerds will understand what I'm about to tell you. I bought a 386 SX desktop. Who knows what I'm talking about? Screamer. $1,200. It took about nine minutes to boot up. Don't even talk about trying to log on. Would you? Okay. Um, and that desktop was more powerful than the computers we used to put the first man on the moon. And the iPhone or Android you hold in your hand is, it's off the charts compared to that. That's just 29 years. When I was at Central High School getting my education in uh, 1976 through 80, graduated, thank you, Lottie, and made my mom real proud. They would not let you take typing until your senior year. Because you just can't let anybody touch a typewriter, you know, because this is King, this ASDFJKL semi, and hit, you know, and it, it was a big deal. And then if you got to play on the electric typewriter, your children are hacking into NASA on their smartphone. Okay, why are you telling me this like, John, what, so watch. So we're in this dispensation of grace that buttresses up to the capacity to monitor every transaction in real time. We have it. The International Monetary Fund, when asked how, how quickly would it take to, to change the world over to blockchain or crypto, you know, uh, some type of cryptocurrency or digital currency, they say, oh, instantaneously. You just say, we've done it. You just, you just do it. So if, if these dispensations ended on the birth and death of men, like Methuselah, and it, these dispensations ended at the, uh, at the Christ coming. Well, when Christ comes again, that ends the dispensation of grace. Up until and through the tribulation, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Up until and through the tribulation, we are in the dispensation of grace. And I said all that to say this, and I really want you to settle this in your hearts. But we can see the other dispensation right there. It's right there. All of the military necessities to accomplish the Gog and Magog war in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are present in Syria, working together. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to attack right now, but they could today, tomorrow. It's all there. For the first time in the history of the world, all the people prophesied to be grouped together in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are allies. So when you're studying prophecy, we're not trying to pick the day or the hour. We're trying to live according to knowledge. And Jesus said, even fishermen can read the skies, man. If, it, if it's dark out, you say, hey, it's going to storm. If it's sunny out, today's going to be pleasant. You know, read the signs. So I want you to know, 
and said this, oh, well, everyone's been saying the Lord's coming. This dispensation, if I can see the other one, I can point to it. We've got geopolitical figures are telling you, I don't care uh, who they are. If a leader will come on the scene and can lead us out of economic turmoil, political turmoil, spiritual and national turmoil, whether he be God or devil, we will follow him. Jesus said, I came in my name and you wouldn't follow me. But another one's going to what? Come in his name and we're going to follow him. The, the borderless dialogue will ease into a borderless kingdom where Antichrist rules and reigns. The spirit of relativism. Now, we're talking about the dispensation I see coming. For there to be a one-world religion, there at least has to be a preparation for a one-world religion. You know, people are hard-headed. They ain't going to do just what you tell them to do. You've got to get them along. So for the last 30 or 40 years, not only have we been demoralized, our morals taken from us, we've been demoralized. And we have went from... um, nationalities and being proud of nationalities to ashamed at the borders and it's all preparing the way and the relativism preparing the way as well which relativism says there's no absolutes you just decide what is your truth and that way if we've washed away all sense including common sense we've washed it all away so we can be told what to believe All of that has happened. You've got Christians standing on a pulpit telling you about a homosexual Jesus. You have Christians that defy the inerrancy of the word of God, which say that when you interview them on television, their their churches run 10 and 20 and 30,000 people. Is Jesus the only way man can be saved? No, I, I believe there's other ways. This is going on, and and I'm not saying it to scare you. The study of prophecy does not scare me. It thrills me because it's happening just like he said it would happen. Now, how many people do you really think thought they were living in the generation that would see Messiah come to the earth and be born of a virgin? Very few. I know some wise men that did. Think about it. And he said, hey, where is the king? Just play along with me. What do you mean? Oh, we saw his star in the east. We, we know all about the king coming. Where is he? How many is with you? Oh, just a few. Where is he at? I'm so sure he's here that we've brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold? Because he's a king. Because he's God. And myrrh, which is a burial spice, because he's going to be a savior. We know he's here. Now, is that arrogance or knowledge? Knowledge. There were Pharisees who believed in the resurrection. That is why they were fair, you see. And Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad. You see, you see, you'll never forget that. That's the, that's, the, that's the way I remember them. Some of y'all are smarter. That's how I remember. It's like counting your toes, you know. But the Pharisees could quote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Many of them could quote the entire Torah and did not recognize Jesus Christ. We've got Christians that live lives of sodomy, naming Christians, sex outside of marriage, perversion, they love money, they lie, they steal, uh, they're carnal, they're double-minded. They made vows to God years ago and they act like they never uttered them and they live in their own delusion. And you think they're going to be able to know where we are on the time frame of God? No way. Let him who is filthy be filthy still. But that is why we are compelled in this age of grace to preach Christ and Him crucified. Because when the door closes, it closes for good. So, 
let me take just a ooh, got 15 minutes. Okay. Um, what this looks, and this is again finishing up the introduction. What's this going to look like? When the rapture of the church happens, and I am a firm believer in the pre-trib rapture before the tribulation. I've got many uh, people that I read and follow, scholars, uh, wise men, believe in the mid-trib, that he's coming for the church in the middle, and then others think post-trib. But either way, we're gone. Okay. I believe the scripture points clearly, this is my opinion and my study, uh, that we it's a pre-tribulation rapture because it fits with all the context of, of the other verses. But just for sake of argument, since I'm the one preaching, and you know people will write me, I don't believe you know, that it's pre-trib. Well, you start a church and tell them what you believe. I don't know what to tell And I don't mean that, fi- I, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, we'll find out, you know. I, I, I may be wrong, but I, I'm going to be ready now. I want to be ready right now. So anyway, so let's say we're going about our business and the, the trump of God goes off for him to call his bride home. What's that going to look like in the world? Millions of the best people in the world. Gone. What kind of vacuum is that going to create? It's going to create a social vacuum, a moral vacuum, a religious vacuum, an economic vacuum. The world is going to be thrown into absolute chaos. Now, what I'm about to tell you, you may not come back after this. That's fine. i got to pause for effect two more. Something is going to have to happen to explain away the rapture. Or that's all you're going to see on the news for the next two or three years, every day, all day, is the disappearing. Because people driving automobiles vanished, cribs, all the children gone, all the children gone, vanished. Uh, Geopolitical figures, people in office, churches full of people that are still here. Do you hear me? Still here. Well, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm going in the rapture. Be careful, be careful. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Oh, no, we're all going. He can't divide the body. The body divided right now. How many of you got relatives in heaven? We divided right now. It's unto them that look for him. You can't love this world and then love his appearing at the same time. I'm sorry. So anyway, let's just throw that out there for free. Um, so the rapture happens and the world is in absolute chaos carnage the markets are going to collapse every it's going to be total global chaos i do not know this for a fact i want to be very clear but the most plausible explanation to me based on living in the west these 61 years is we have been pre-programmed through all of the alien UFO for my lifetime every year we're taught that there are other figures other creatures now hear me out I don't believe in aliens I do believe in angels fallen angels are interdimensional they can just appear in a room and not appear in a room what if an angel fallen angel Emissary of Satan comes on the scene. And the Bible says angels can look so much like men that you had supper with them and you didn't even know it. I sure hope I see one. I just love the one that's the, hey, John, I knew it. I'd love, I'd love, I would love it, love it. So let's just say they're on CNN and they're showing all the chaos and stuff. And then this man comes in a suit and says, y'all aren't going to, you know, to, Announcer says, you're not going to believe today. Today is going to, I need you just to open your mind. We've got a guest with us, and he introduced himself. He said, hey, you can just call me John for today. You know, uh, I need to tell you I'm not of this world. Some of you would say I'm an alien. Some would say, you know, you're a different being, entity. It doesn't really matter. But I'm just like you. And I'm just an involved you. 
I am the God consciousness at this level of what's in you. You know we're all gods. And I want to tell you that your fascination with aliens and your finding, excuse me, all of the historical documents and the carvings, they weren't aliens, it, it was us. We have the ability to travel not only in space, but in time. And uh, that's what, see, you have been pushed down by the religionist over the last several thousand years into a fear-mongering um, Christianity and global religion that would never let you ascend. So let me show you what happened to all those in the disappearing. And you just imagine him being personable. Um, how many of you like to know? And they were like, sure. And he goes, watch this. And he just vanishes. And the announcer's sitting there at the table, and then he just comes back. And he said, now, some of y'all think that's amazing. He said, but let's just say you're in a pond, and all the fish are in the pond, and you stick your hand in if the fish could talk. Alien! <laughs> there's this fight. What? What in the world? And then it's gone. He said, they just don't know that there's another dimension outside of their dimension, and I have access to put my hand in. It's not a big deal. You think it's the fish are freaking out. It's the craziest thing. It just appears, and it disappears. I believe a fallen angel will be able to explain that away in one segment. I said, now let me tell you about the God that resides in you. How many of you ever heard of the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls? What if he stands up and says, now, you hear that God is all-knowing. Well, you're all-knowing. You just haven't ascended. You haven't got there yet. Uh, go to this longitude, and they make up this long number. Go to this latitude, and they make up this long number. And you're going to find more scrolls that will tell you about this day today. And by the way, any um, medical doctors here, I want you to write this down. And they are, he telepathically gives them the cure for cancer. And they cure it. And, the guy, and they solve the unsolvable math problems. The Bible says in that day, because they love not the truth, God's going to send strong delusion that they might believe a lie. So it's an anti-spirit, anti-Christ. The, the, the false prophet will come on the scene and create a diluted, 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 where Christianity is no longer mentioned. And then at the three and a half year mark of the geopolitical figure signing and confirming a covenant with Israel and many nations, at the three and a half year mark, he will do what's called the abomination of desolation. He will go into the rebuilt temple of Jerusalem, complete or incomplete, and go into the holiest of holies and declare himself to be God. So in the first three and a half years, of, of after the rapture, at the, 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 the first part of the tribulation period, there's going to be sorrow, birth pains, trouble, pestilences, all that, like we have now, just an accelerated rate. But at the midway point, when the geopolitical figure comes out and says, I'm not just the little horn, I'm God Almighty. And I know I told you that you are, but I'm the God of gods. What does that sound like to you? The king of, okay, I'm the God of gods. And the false prophet will woo the nations to worship him and will with great signs. So what if this man that claims to be God says, uh, you know, he says, I'm, I'm God Almighty. And some joker from the crowd says, prove it. Lightning comes out of heaven, strikes that guy. He's on a news conference, and he walks up to the tomb of the unknown soldier and raises him up out of the ground. Signs, wonders. But we see the preparation of one world government, one world currency, and one world religion. You know we're the minority now. You do understand that. The conservative, Bible-believing Christian, we're the fools in the world's eyes. So the world is prepared. So intellectually, tell me how we can see through the veil all of the dynamics 
of the next dispensation. And this one's not about to end. They're coming up upon one another. We're seeing the John the Baptist thing where he was coming out of the law into grace. Field of dreams. Y'all remember that? When that man stuck his hand through the corn, that gave me chills. I was like, ooh. I, would you? Okay, has nothing to do with sermon. It's been a heavy sermon. Hold on. How many of y'all would, do, how many of y'all would go through the, the corn? Tell the truth. Oh, in a minute. And how many of y'all scare you? Don't touch that. Get the baby away from there. Where are you? Tell the truth. Why won't you go through the corn? Jump. It'll, you can always wash it off later. It'll hurt later. Church family somewhere among raising children and practicing business and getting our degrees and building our companies. You've got, you've got to keep in your mind that Christ is at the door. And listen, that is, a, that is a blessed hope. That is a sanctifying hope. And every man that hath this hope, what hope? The hope of Jesus' return purifies himself. Not God purifies, he purifies himself even as God is pure. He gets rid of the junk. He puts his affections on things above. He's ready. John, do you think the church is going to face tribulation? It's facing it now. We just don't see it. We're spoiled, rotten in the West. For hundreds, hundreds of years, the church has suffered persecution. We, just, we haven't seen it, so we don't think it's not happening. Children are starving to death every day. Famines, pestilences. Just because you don't see the, the, the once vibrant, beautiful cities. If our musician would come, please. Just because you don't see them uh, now overrun with tens of thousands of drug addicts and zombies. Have y'all seen the videos of this where they're walking the streets in these communities? And these are people's sons and daughters. The world is collapsing on itself. And here we are, preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because whosoever will can still be saved. Now, when Christ comes, and there's just so much I wanted to get to. Um, during this series, do I have permission on some of the days to go a little longer? Okay. All right. Joseph may play a while today. Just give me like 10 minutes. I'm, I usually try to let y'all out at 11.30, but it might be between 11.30 and 11.45. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Because this is important just for this one piece. How many like stuff organized? Get done, close, and go to the next. That's what I'm trying to do here. So, so when Christ comes for the church and takes us out of here, and then gr- tribulation happens, the seven-year period, and whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, He comes back and he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. It splits in half. And the the people see him coming. And they cry out for the rocks to fall on them. And the mountains to fall on them. And they're fleeing from the Lamb. We are eager to see him. They're fleeing from him. And then at the Battle of Armageddon, Christ in the brightness of his glory and the words of his mouth destroys the armies that have come against Israel. There is people, you better, you better check yourself and your mouth, keep your mouth off of his bride and the nation of Israel. You better keep your mouth off of them. Because even if they're crooked, they're God's crooked. And he's, he's chastising Israel, but he's going to judge the world. And when the world is judged, the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven and sit in Jerusalem. And the world is going to start to come to Jerusalem to worship the Lord at the feast. And he's going to introduce those. And you'll see how the Old Testament uh, uh, is the New Testament hidden. And the New Testament is Old Testament revealed. It, It comes together and it lines up. And when the curse is lifted, when Christ comes, at that time... There will be people that made it through the tribulation. So here we are. We have glorified bodies. We are in the church who were raptured away. uh, The dead in Christ that were changed. We have glorified bodies. But there are humans still in the earth. Stephen, 
I'm sorry, you didn't make the rapture. You're going to be in the tribulation. Stephen, his wife made it, but he didn't make it. So Steve, Stephen's going to be on the earth, okay? And his wife, there, how many know there will be couples where one of them goes and one doesn't? Absolutely. So for this illustration, she comes back in a glorified body, but Stephen gave his life to Jesus Christ during the tribulation, and he did not take the mark. He stood. Maybe he was beheaded or or, or the people that survived the tribulation. He then, if, if he, or I don't want to say he remarried, so let's say you both didn't make it. Both of you didn't make tribu- uh, the rapture. If they had a child after the curse was lifted, the Bible said the child had lived to be 100 years old. And there would be no warring. There would be no fighting, no the, the, the desert will bloom like the rose. The world is going to uh, go through a metamorphosis, kind of Edenic. That's going to happen. And at the end of 1,000 years, Satan will be loosed one more time. Because, of course, at the second advent, I didn't say that Satan was bound. He'll be loosed one more time. And if you can believe it or not, the world will rally again to dethrone God. And then God will cast all who oppose him into the lake of fire. Satan will be bound forever, forever. And then he starts the next dispensation. So the dispensation of grace, the millennial reign, which is 1,000 years, then the age of ages, which he's told us nothing about. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to let you go home. In the day of the Lord... And this is my introduction to next week if the Lord tarries. The day of the Lord in the Old Testament is always a time of sorrow, wailing, destruction. But in the day of the Lord, there is the rapture and the revelation of Jesus. The rapture and the revelation. There are two distinct comings, period. I'll show you the difference and then we're going to go home. The rapture, Jesus comes to the air. 1 Thessalonians 4. In the Revelation, Jesus comes to the earth. And by Revelation, I don't mean the book of Revelation. The revealing of Jesus Christ. So in one, when he comes to the church, he comes just to the air. And in the Revelation to the world, he comes to the earth. In the rapture, he returns like a thief. In the Revelation, he returns openly. Remember this same Jesus which taken up from you shall come in like manner? You'll see him. They're going to film him coming down. Little kids with cameras are going to film the Christ coming down. It will be seen by all. In the rapture, Christ comes for his church, his bride. And in the revelation, the Bible says he comes with his church, his bride, Jude 1. In the rapture, he comes as a bridegroom. In revelation, in in the revelation of Jesus Christ, he comes as a king. See, when he comes for us in the air, he's not coming King Jesus He's coming as the lover of our soul. When he comes back with his church, he's coming as the king, the warrior, the Lord. When he comes in the rapture, he delivers the church from wrath. When he comes in the revelation, he exercises wrath upon the world. When he comes in the rapture, believers receive glorified immortal bodies, 1 Corinthians 15. In the revelation, mankind remains human throughout the millennium in the rapture believers depart the earth in revelation unbelievers are taken away Matthew 24 in the rapture the world will continue in sin afterwards in the revelation at the revelation of Christ righteousness is established in the rapture he comes with reward in the revelation he comes to judge Matthew 25 in the rapture can come without any warnings or signs imminent. The revelation is preceded by many signs foretold in many places, but primarily Matthew 24 and the concurring Gospels. The rapture is a time of blessing and comfort, and the revelation is a type of destruction and fear, 2 Thessalonians 2. The rapture involves believers only, John 14, 1 Corinthians 15. The revelation involves Israel and Gentile nations, Matthew 24. The rapture will happen instantly, 1 Corinthians 15. 
Revelation will be visible to the entire world. Revelation 1. In the rapture, Christ comes as the bright and morning star. Revelation 22. And in Matthew, Malachi 4, at the revelation, he comes as the son of righteousness. And finally, at the rapture, the devil is continuing his evil designs for another seven years. But at the revelation, he's thrown into the lake of fire, or he's thrown into the abyss until the end of the millennial reign. I hear people talk to me all the time and say, Pastor John, what's going on? What's going on? It's all unfolding just like God promised. But we need to study the scriptures. We need to be aware. And I believe, y'all stand with me. I, I believe this way. You may believe in a mid-trib or a post-trib. Listen, it is important, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that, you, listen to your pastor, please, please, please. That you have a fully devoted, exclusive, complete, absolute trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Period. A firm, reliant, exclusive trust that makes itself visible in your daily choices and actions that you might be found in Him. Might be found in Him. Nothing ties you to this world. And it, it happens like he says. As he says. And he's coming for his church. And he's coming back with his church. And Jesus said, and I close with this. He said, just like in the days of, of Lot, uh, Noah and Lot. I'll just use Noah. They're just marrying and giving in marriage. They're building business. Nobody's thinking about it. Until the storm comes and takes them away. But there was an ark being built before that storm came. And it was pitched within and without with pitch. God gave them the design, the schematics, and the way to make it. And that word pitch means atonement. So the ark that Noah built was foretelling in between those. How, how, would, the, how would it not leak? the atonement of Jesus Christ that keeps all of God's wrath out. Now, this anchor thing that I close with, this anchor thing, if you don't get this, then you can become confused in it. John, why are you so certain that we're not going through the tribulation? I believe we're going to experience tribulation. The, world, the Christians are experiencing tribulation, but none of the great tribulation. How can you be so sure? I'll tell you. Because he became sin for me. And the wrath of God fell upon him for me. And it was sufficient. He bore it and he took my place. Which produces this allegiance and this worship from my heart. And you can't smite the lamb twice. Ask Moses. What did he mean by that? Go look it up. When he smote that rock that followed them, and that rock that followed them was Christ, and God said, speak to it. And he said, oh, he'd already been smitten. I am not appointed to wrath because Jesus suffered my wrath. And we're children of the day. Quake could be tomorrow. All your babies go with you. All of them go. It may be tomorrow. We're, are you ready? Are you looking? Are your eyes looking? And we're not looking for signs. Follow the signs. Follow the signs so that over there, keep that in your mind, can become clearer. Watch Israel, watch this. I'm not watching, I'm not following, I'm following them, but I'm looking heavenward. And I'm waiting for a trump that's tuned to my frequency. Y'all got me right up. I'm supposed to leave. I'm supposed to leave. Hold on. One more little quick illustration. John, what's the rapture going to be like? All right. I'm going to do an Al Robbins walk over here in the dark for about an hour. No one could see him on screen. I know he's watching, so he'll get that. I'm in the light, Al. Walk in the light. I'm in the light. So put all the little remote control cars out here. How many guys have any? Okay, you know what they are. Put them out here. Let's say there's 50. 
And all of you got your remote. And I got my remote. And I do mine. Y'all haven't got yours on yet. I got mine. How many cars are going to run around? Why? How does it know which one is mine? Because it's configured. Okay. How do you know you're going to know what the rapture sounds like? You've been configured with God's spirit and bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. When that trump goes off, that's your song, baby. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.